You know, Marilyn. What is this about? Death, sex, and money. I don't know anything about death. Do you know anything about money? Not enough. <laughs> sex? <laughs> uh, quite a bit. This is Death, Sex, and Money. What poor unfortunate creature had to die? The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. Money? And need to talk about more. I'm pre-orgasmic. Does that mean you're about to have one? I'm John Cameron Mitchell, filling in for Anna Sale. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the marvelous Marilyn May. I've known jazz cabaret mistress Marilyn May for only about five years. She's 91 years old, so I've known her for like 0.01% of her life. And while her home base is the suburbs of Kansas City, she's in New York a lot. She's still working. And I met up with her working at 54 Below, the iconic cabaret in Midtown Manhattan. You're just too good to be true. (laughs) Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch Because I love you so much At long last I have arrived And I thank God I'm alive Marilyn was there to perform a week-long run of shows because even though it's been more than 50 years since she was nominated for a Best New Artist Grammy against Tom Jones, she's still going strong as a performer. For her birthday last year, she celebrated by debuting a show here in the city called 90 at Last. And, you know, it really worked. We had we had full houses every really? night. Really? You, you played the age card? I think they're... De- well, yeah. And I just hate to play it. the... Yeah. And they do show up. And I always wondered, are they showing up because they think the old girl's going to kick off any minute? Or are they showing up because they like the songs? Well, when I always say I'm going to work with you, you're like, hurry. <laughs> No, and I do say that. <laughs> when I when I discovered you was in Provincetown, I came to see you. Oh, what a wonderful day that I met you. My friends said, just go see Marilyn May. Just, oh. if you're feeling down, go see Marilyn May. And I really do go see you at weird transitions in my life where at the end of something, coming back to New York, you know that weird feeling of coming home and you're like, oh God, my life. You know, <sighs> I, I get that feeling a lot traveling around you know you and do I you feel that do you that. have to start again or what it's it's just all the the things I haven't thought about come back and I'm like and I come back to my rent stabilized apartment and I go oh god you know I wish I could change the the floor in here but because it's rented I can and you know it's just like you it, as a performer, but, but, there's a temporary. about life. But you're so successful life. in New York you are so loved here. I, I that, do feel loved but as you know we don't. We, nece- we didn't necessarily chase money. We didn't necessarily no. chase fame. Um, we are now. Well, now we have to, right? <laughs> right. I got to make money for my mom we who have, has Alzheimer's. Right. You know. Right. You got to make money to pay. Money to, to do- live. I'm uh, subleasing an apartment here, which is very. It's very expensive, yeah. and worth every nickel, because I want to stay. I'm happier here. I mean, you're 90 years old and working. Mm-hmm. Like Hard, crazy, yeah. working crazy. Yeah, and um, you were just working from so young. Yeah, it's just part of your life. Oh yeah, uh, my mother played piano, and um, she Mar- she named me Marilyn after Marilyn Miller, who was a you know big Broadway show star in her time, um, and um, 
she decided, you know, that I would be a singer. So when I was nine years old, we entered amateur contests. And then when I was 15, I would leave high school and walk down about two blocks to the streetcar in Des Moines, Iowa, and take the streetcar to my gig, (laughs) a radio show called Marilyn Entertains on KRNT in Des Moines. And then when I was 16, I started working on Friday and Saturdays in a nightclub, but still going to high school. Your dad and mom separated when you were about nine, right? No, I was like, I was was 11 or 12. I think I was 12. And what was going through your mind? Did you take it in stride? Were you heartbroken? My mother shared so much of what my dad was doing, which I think is a mistake. Uh, At the time, I didn't realize it was a mistake, but but my dad just loved ladies. (laughs) That was his weakness. Uh huh. She found love letters five from five different women at the same time. I mean, you know, just crazy. And uh, so she shared all that with me. And so at that age, at that age yeah. which is a lot. It was. She was strong and and not not easy. No, not easy Prickly at all. Prickly sometimes. Years or? and years ago, when I was a little girl, like you know, in my teens, before I'd walk on, she'd say, "Now, don't you let me down." <laughs> you fill it up with happiness. You fill my world with tingle and zing. Each morning it's spring, and I want to sing while... Like Marilyn, I grew up in the heartland of the country, actually in Kansas for a few years. And as soon as I could, I made my way to New York. Not Marilyn, though. She's lived in Kansas City since she was in her 20s, when she was building her singing career, taking gigs at local nightclubs and radio stations in the Midwest. Then when she was in her late 30s, She was, quote-unquote, discovered in Kansas City by the TV host and composer Steve Allen. She ended up getting a record contract with RCA and later became a frequent guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. That was beautiful, that it's it's wild. I mean, you were a friend of Ella Fitzgerald. Oh my, yeah, she was a dear, dear buddy of mine. Where we had all of our conversations. We're in a dressing room now. Um, it was always in dressing rooms. Yeah. <laughs> we sat, you know, when uh, when she, we were in the same town, we would always get together, and then you know, I'd go to her show or she'd come to mine, and after the show, we'd sit for two or three hours in the dressing room and talk. You know, she was adorable. And she called you the greatest white chick singer, well, didn't she? People, it, it was taken. It's taken out of context because on a television show they would say who are your favorite singers and she said well I love um, uh, Sassy Sarah Vaughan and Carmen you know Carmen Carmen McRae McRae. and then the greatest white singer is Marilyn you know she would say that that's so special yeah it was very special and then we wound up recording on either I've got a picture of us on either side of a mic which is I cherish that and uh, uh, Step to the Rear yeah we were doing Step to the Rear will everyone here kindly step to the I wonder how 
I mean, you decided to stay in Kansas City rather than move to the big well, cities. No, I married. I married a guy from Kansas City. Oh. That was my second husband. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I wound up in Kansas City with him. Was there a moment where you're like, "Honey, we we got to go to New York or L.A.?" No. Isn't that a shame that there wasn't? I was just too busy making a living. Yeah. I just, you know, working, and and uh, we had a daughter. And I just, I was working. I was singing with bands on the weekend and, and teaching. He was a dancer. Oh. And I taught the singing and he taught to kids, you know, from eight to 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had dance recitals and, and I was, I had this darling baby that I was raising and working every day. Your life day was and, full. It was oh, impossible. just totally. And plus he was an alcoholic and that was, that was all the That'll bad stuff. That'll take the wind out too. of the sails, yeah. There was bad stuff going on behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. Were you a were you a saver? Were you a helper? But didn't I think I could could Save. didn't I think I could make him quit drinking? Couldn't I just uh, fix him? Yeah. You know I had an alcoholic boyfriend who passed away from it. Oh yeah. Well, my my third husband then, pianist, same thing. He really? passed away from it. Yeah. Were all three husbands uh-huh, all alcoholics? Uh-huh. Gosh, was it in your family? No, not at all. Isn't that weird? It wasn't oh, no. in mine either. I was like, why am I so good at this or did, bad? Did your dad drink? <laughs> no. No, my mother or dad didn't at all. Did you, When you had your guys that were charming and, and alcoholic, did you feel a challenge in, in tying them down or did you? It was just fun to kiss and hug. You, you were more <laughs> in the moment. And you didn't very, expect much. Very much so in the moment. We worked together. I always found talent, you know. And um, my first marriage was one year, and that, forget that. It was just fun and games because he was fun, and he was older than I, much older, 20 years older than I. Oh, wow. And, and whippy and sophisticated, and I was 19, and, you know, so that was fun for about a year. And then I went off to my career, you know. And um, Did you kick him to the curb or was it an amicable I just party? went away I just, we just both went away we just went away uh, reminds you know. me of the Ethel Merman thing her marriage to Ernest Borgnine what was it in her biography there's a chapter that says my marriage to Ernest Borgnine and then you turn the page it's blank and then it's like <laughs> chapter 10 the next <laughs> well like yes that, I can say that about about the first one the second one was this dancer you know we were creative together and making a living together and um, so it was a production. Then the, the, the third one was there again, a, a great pianist. That's what my talent was what drew me to him. And, you know, the same thing, his great talent. I loved him for that. And um, we had such great musical rapport. You know, we both sometimes have been attracted to maybe wonderful but wrong guys. Maybe not wrong as much as... You know, there's sometimes patterns of behavior. I get bored with people who haven't had problems sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you find that you learned from those experiences? I mean, was there, did you have, were there men in your life that were like, okay, this is the kind of person I need and this is actually working? Did you get to a point? I or don't did you? know. I would become obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of obsessed. Mm. And I was more obsessed with with my last one. I was calling my meaningful love affair. See, by that time I was in my early fifties, I guess. What kind of guy About was like he? You. Um he was a dog. <laughs> 
and just a doll. I mean, he was handsome and wonderful and funny. Roguish. And just awful. <laughs> he was just bad. That. Both sides. Right. After I would perform, oh, he was so in love with me after I'd perform. Mm. And then I, one time I said, do you, love, do you love me or do you love Marilyn May, you know? And he said, well, how can I separate the two? Which kind of smart of him. That was smart. He was kind of smart. <laughs> what goes up, I must come down. Spinning wheels, spinning all around. Talk about your troubles and you never, never What did he do? He owned clubs. He mm. owned nightclubs. And he had a very sexy apartment down underneath the club. And it was a hideaway, you know, and we'd go there and that was... But I'm sure he took... Because he, too, was was like my dad, maybe, in that respect. And I would leave town and I knew he was with somebody. You know, I just... I would find out, you know, just terrible. Just terrible. So was I think he Kansas was about City a 10-year on and off in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. About a 10-year thing on and off. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just nuts. I don't know that I was did so you know in love you, with him, but I was nuts about him. Yeah. Did you want a committed thing with him? Or did were you, you knew it wasn't know. possible? He proposed to me one time. He had done a terrible thing uh, one weekend. And so now we're having dinner a week later. And he said, and he pulls out this beautiful ring and proposed to me. And I said, he said, now we won't say anything more <laughs> about the past. <laughs> this was his condition, right? <laughs> when he's handing me the ring. He was like paying you off? Uh, well, no, he was proposing <laughs> and saying, you know, we won't talk about that anymore, you know. And I said, well, okay, I'm, I'm, that's fine. But, but some, but of course, I can't keep my mouth shut, you know. So, but sometime I want to know about last weekend. Give me the ring. So now I put the ring on and I can't get it off. And I'm crying, you know, and it's it's a little too little for me. And I'm <laughs> going crazy trying to take the ring off and crying in the restaurant, right? And it's so Why did beautiful. you want to take it off? Well, because we, he said, give me the ring. You know, he said, if, if, I have to, if we have to talk about last weekend, forget it, you know. Ooh. So I go to the ladies' room <laughs> and get Some water soap. and soap and get the ring off and say, here, you know. Take so, back your mink. Take back, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was something that was f- fiery, but it, w- it was never Yeah, it constant. was very fiery. Um, there's a song that I did called I Will Survive. and um, The and, disco song? And, uh, yeah, yeah. We had broken up, and, and, and on this particular Carson show, I was doing I Will Survive. And I called him and said, I'm on The Tonight Show. And I hadn't talked to him for a long, you know, maybe three or four months. And I said, I'm going to be on The Tonight Show and I'm doing a song especially for you. And I want you to be sure and tune in. And he said, you are. Oh, he was, oh, well, I'm flattered. And I sang right directly into that camera. Do you, son of a me. <laughs> I will survive. I will survive and am. I am surviving. If I had known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Go on now, go. Walk out the door. Don't turn around now. You're not welcome anymore. Hey, everyone. This is Annabelle Bacon, and I'm one of the producers here at Death, Sex, and Money. 
So Marilyn May had a pretty epic way of getting over her meaningful love affair when it ended, but most of us don't get the chance to sing Gloria Gaynor songs to our exes on national television. So when that's not an option, how do you deal with heartbreak? That's the question we put to all of you a couple of years ago, and your answers turned into one of our all-time favorite episodes about breaking up. How do you cut someone out of your life who is a part of you? I feel like no one talks about this. I called his mom, Mom. And then one day he said he was leaving the band. It really hurt. I just never really got the closure that I wanted. Breakups are personal. Yep, we've all been there. To hear how other listeners got through it, just text the word BREAKUP to the number 70101, and we'll send you a link to the show. And as long as you're listening back to other episodes, don't miss the one where John Cameron Mitchell was a guest. He told us more about his own experience of loving someone struggling with alcoholism. I didn't have it in my family, but I I realized I was good at taking care of and wanting to save. The problem with it was also that I never had to face my own problems that were very deep-seated, too, about intimacy and trust because his problems were always seemed bigger. It's a really good conversation. To hear it, just text the word John to 70101. On the next episode, the maternity leave lineup continues. Writers Damon Young and Kiese Lehman talk together about basketball, body image, and why earning more can feel like a blessing and a curse. I definitely think about death more. I think about, like, just terrible calamities disease I think about that since, you, that since you start making money since I start making money since I have a family since you have children yeah I am like in a constant state of like perpetual state of just of just hoping bad shit doesn't happen wow I feel like I'm in a perpetual state of just assuming it is gonna This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalyst for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. 
This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm John Cameron Mitchell. When I first saw Marilyn May perform in Provincetown, Massachusetts, there were very few people in the audience. It was a converted, tiny movie theater, but she made it seem like it was the Copacabana. She gave her all. I was overwhelmed. That was about five or six years ago when her career was actually on the upswing in her late 80s. As musical tastes shifted in the 60s and 70s, Marilyn found her talents less in demand. You know, she always said she was born too late for jazz stardom because rock and roll supplanted it. But she says that through it all, her most loyal friends and fans were in the gay community. You know, they're, they're, they're the ones that love the lyric and they, I think, live it and mm. the sensitivity mm-hmm. and, and uh, maybe because of what they had to endure or not. Yeah. Uh, but I think they live what I sing. You can take any style and make it not just your own, but make it clear. And so when I when I go, I feel a kind of a catharsis. I let go. I'm always crying at your show and always <laughs> feeling better. Is that better. bad? <laughs> good cry. Oh, good cry. The sunburned hands I used to I mean, we've both seen a lot of people oh, pass from AIDS. and The um, 80s and 90s, just awful. Just awful. My my precious uh, pianist for 20 years, Mark Franklin. Mark um, was one of the early AIDS cases. Very and early. And it was like, I'm like losing my son, you know, because he joined me when he was 19. And we traveled extensively together and laughed and his sense of humor... Uh, we laughed on planes, you know, we'd, we'd have food fights on planes and the, <laughs> the attendant would come by and say, are you kids having a good time? <laughs> He'd put the whipped cream on my nose and I would just not act like anything happened and then I would crumble a, the crackers in his lap and, you know, that kind of stuff. We played, you know. So he was my, like my child. And and um, the terrible thing, you for 20 years, he was was with me, and um, uh, it was you know it was terrible to lose him, just terrible. Did he go? He fast? died at 39. Uh, well, pneumonia, and you know, yeah. it was just awful. And um, uh, so I had so many friends, so many close, close friends that I lost, and um, just seemed to go on and on and on. Yes, I'll I'll miss you. Oh, how I'll miss you When autumn leaves start to fall Have you had any major health issues? Um, no, I, I'd never been in a hospital until... For some reason, I got kidney stones, and then I went to, to the water. emergency, and then they, then I got sepsis, oh, and I went in the, the hospital. hospital. And I, yeah, I went, uh-huh, from the hospital, but six days in intensive care, and yeah. then maybe another week or so in the hospital. Then they said, "Well, you need rehab," you know. So I went to this this home, and and I was doing rehab, and. And they said, well, don't you want to have lunch out out in the dining room? And I said, everybody's old out there. And they were younger than I. 
oh my god, I'm terrified of like being yeah. in a community of well, my mother was in a, before that. My mother was in a nursing home for for four and a half years. So I spent every day that I could with her in the nursing home. So I'd had enough nursing homes. But you know, in the nursing homes, what what is the wonderful part of it is that the music you mm. can bring, and they yes. they oh they gosh, identify they with music. It's a wonderful thing to be able to go into the nursing homes and sing, and reach them. And you do reach those who have not been reached any other way for that week or month or day, you know. My mom uh, is a little bit non-responsive sometimes now. She's happy, you know, she's very smiley, but, you know, it's hard to put some words together. And But I would just sing, Speed Bonnie boats like a bird on the wing, <laughs> onward the sailors cry. Would she join you singing? Yes. And then she, with her little quavering voice, carry the lad that's mm-hmm. born to be king mm-hmm. over the sea to sky. And then she's right Darling. there. That's the last thing you forget is a song. Yes. Isn't that interesting? The faces of people you love uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then the songs. Uh-huh. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Skies of blue, clouds of white, bright blessed days, and dark sacred nights. And I think to myself... Dealing with, you know, in my 50s, dealing with parents, like, in a way, who become your your children at that time, you know, in their later years. Right. I tell you, it's as expensive as sending a kid to Harvard with no financial aid to, with her, her care right now. But she I has know. great caregivers that she lives with because we took her out of the retirement assisted you, living yeah. thing because it was just a bunch of people staring at a TV. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's health, physical health, is pretty good, but it's you know the mind has changed. Do you do you have plans about you know when you when you later on? I can't think about that. Yeah. Do you know what environment you, know, you want to be in? Do you know in? what you want to do? So for myself, I don't know. I Some of my friends think that we're going to pool our money together and, and buy a place um, and have, you know, our young friends take care of us. Um, but do you think they'll show up when you really need that? Well, I, I like this idea of kind of getting a few friends of the same age and making plans to be in the same place as you know see I don't know very many people my age that's the bad thing yeah that's the thing you have they've, to they've, they've gone the ones that would have done that are, are already gone yeah I mean this is my my dream thing it's like to be in a kind of like bed and breakfast you know near the end and then do you want to be how do you how do you want to oh I don't care I mean I was I grew up Catholic I like the idea of memorials but funerals are so stupid and the open casket. What the hell is that about? Oh no, no, no! We can't. You know, do that. cremation oh, seems God, no. fine. Nobody knows how to put my lashes on. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> I know those undertakers are not Broadway quality. Mm-mm. One of my dearest friends. She was like my soul sister. We kind of looked alike, and uh, her name was Betty Holloway, and she was a 
darling, darling woman. And so her sister knew how much that I loved her, and they and wanted me to sing for the funeral, and I said, of course I would. But but then she always wore lashes, and um, her sister called me and said, Marilyn, will you put her lashes on because the... The, um, the heterosexual the, undertakers the, just... Didn't know how to do it, didn't know how to do it. And I said, oh my gosh, honey, yes, of course I will. And I did. Was that know. scary? Well, just, you know, yeah, because I loved her so, you know, it was so A difficult. lot of tears. To, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, not a little, I don't know that I cried. I don't cry very much. I cried so much during my, you know, I think I'm out of that now. <laughs> you cried out? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe. All those men. I laugh a lot now. Yeah, we're still living. Oh, and we're well gang. Still raising hell, gang, in my special way. <laughs> so tune the grand up, dance your shoes off, strike the band up, crush the blues off. Hallelujah! It's the day! That singer, Marilyn May. If you've never seen her perform, you're truly missing out. It was a life-changing experience, really, to, to discover her. Find her tour schedule at Marilyn May, that's May with an E, dot com. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. The team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. Special thanks to Joanna Solitaroff and Stephanie Joyce for their help on this episode, and special thanks to 54 Below. You can find me, John Cameron Mitchell, in the new Hulu series, Shrill, and on stage around the country performing songs and stories of Hedvig in my Origin of Love tour. Plus, look out for my upcoming musical podcast series called Anthem, starring myself, Glenn Close, Cynthia Revo, Patti LuPone, Dennis O'Hare, and the South African singer Nakane. And as always, you can find Death, Sex, and Money on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Death, Sex, Money. You know, I've got seven nights, and then I'm out of a job this week. Well, at least we're in the same tribe. What is that? Gypsies, tramps, and thieves? Which one are you? Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> If you were a thief, you'd be richer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm John Cameron Mitchell, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC.